There's a reason they call music the universal language. Songs have a way of expressing our hearts. We all experience life differently and the lyrics have unique meanings to each of us. I'm just a girl who loves music and storytelling. So through the good, bad, and ugly, I'm sharing artist journeys and my own stories in hopes that you can relate. Cheers to being hashtag relatable. Welcome back to Hashtag Relatable. I am Abby Shaw, and I hope all of you had a great Thanksgiving last week. I took the week off just to spend time with my family. But today, we're going to be talking about an underrated country artist who's been around for quite a while, and we're going to talk about Jake Owen. It's just me today. I'm doing it solo, but Jake Owen is one of my personal favorite artists, and he's had about a 15-year career at this point. And he doesn't get a whole lot of recognition in the country music community or on the radio, but you know, that's life sometimes. So let's get into it. He was born Joshua Ryan Owen, and he actually is a twin. He has a fraternal twin brother named Jared, and they were born on August 28th, 1981, which happens to be two of my favorite women's birthdays, Shania Twain and my granny. So shout out to all of them. They're some of my faves. He grew up in Vero Beach, Florida, which is in between Orlando and Fort Lauderdale, and he's definitely a beach boy. He has that, like, kind of vibe to him, the, like, chill, relaxed kind of feel that, like, anybody who grew up on the beach has. And him and his brother grew up playing a bunch of different sports, but they played baseball and football mainly, and then as they grew older, his brother Jared went to tennis, and Jake landed with golf. And he ended up winning his first golf tournament when he was 15, which made some schools around the area kind of take notice in him. And he ended up getting a golf scholarship to go play at Florida State University. And he was very excited because his dream was to be a professional golfer. Somewhere around his freshman year, he was in a wakeboarding accident and he had to have reconstructive surgery on his shoulder. And this obviously put a damper on his career aspirations and for him to be on the golf team at Florida State. So this put him off of the golf team. And during his recovery, he was kind of going through a depression because everything that he thought his life was going to be was no longer a thing. So he was in his room and he borrowed his neighbor's guitar, and he just started playing around. He taught himself how to play basically by ear by listening to songs from people that he grew up listening to, like Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, Keith Whitley, and Vern Gosden. So he was listening to, like, traditional country, and he taught himself how to play the guitar. Before long, he was singing in bars around campus. He became, like, a regular at some of these bars, and he was singing covers. Well, eventually he got tired of singing these cover songs, and he decided he was going to try to write some songs of his own. And I watched this interview that he was in, and he was talking about how at the beginning he was really only writing love songs because this was a way for him to express how he felt in the lady department, but he couldn't necessarily just speak it, but he could if he put a melody and some chords behind it. And his twin brother also went to Florida State, and he was like, dude, stop writing these songs. I want you to write a song that me and my friends could jam to. Turn it up in the truck and just jam. So the product of this was Eight Second Ride, which went on to be one of his singles later on. He says now that this is probably one of his least favorite songs that he has just because it's not necessarily like his persona. It's more written from his brother's perspective. Like there's a line in it that says like, watch the cup that I've been spitting my dip inside. And he's like, that's gross. That was definitely my brother because he always said that when I would get into his truck. He says that to this day, people still get super excited every single time that he plays this song. But anyways, going back to when he's in college, he became more interested in music than he was in school and he decided 
decided to drop out with nine credit hours left before he was going to get a degree with his double major in English and political science. I guess at this point, like nine hours, not that much. It's not even a full semester, but like if you know that that's not what you want to do with your life, it's kind of a waste of time to stay a whole semester when you know that you want to sing. And I also think that's kind of crazy that he went from being like, oh, I'm going to be a professional golfer and then being like, oh, that didn't work out. I'm just going to go be a musician instead. Pretty high goals for yourself there, but you know, shoot for the stars, my man. So he moved to Nashville in 2005 and one of the first places that he went when he got there was this bank on Music Row. And Music Row in Nashville is a very big deal. That's where all of like the labels and like the CMA office is down there. It's just everything is there. So he went to this bank and he knew that the people who worked at the bank would have relationships with other musicians and music executives in town. So he thought that maybe eventually one day one of the tellers would ask him what he was in Nashville for and he could kind of share his story and then maybe it would spread the word along and he could make some connections. He'd saved up enough money from playing bars in Florida that he had enough money to pay for his first month's rent and he went in to start a savings account. So when he walked in there the lady was like oh hey like she asked him what he was there for and he said that he was trying to be a musician and she was like oh well do you have any music I would love to listen to it one day and he happened to have his demo in his pocket so he handed her the cd and she listened to it and she eventually ended up giving it to some executives at Warner Chapel they didn't end up signing him but he did get some calls and after this is kind of like got his name out there and that's really what he wanted to do with the whole thing anyways was make connections to this day he still banks with this lady she moved banks and he moved with her. So you never know where you're going to meet a lifelong person that could help you out. So he ended up getting a publishing deal at some point and he was working with this producer and fellow songwriter and they wrote this song called Ghost and they wrote it to pitch to Kenny Chesney and Kenny Chesney loved the song. He was going to cut it but he decided that it ultimately did not fit on the album that he was currently trying to make. He was like you should cut this at some point like it's really good but Jake was not with a record deal yet but From this, Sony Records noticed him and they decided that they wanted to sign him to their label RCA Nashville. And they signed him in September of 2005. So in less than a year, he had a publishing deal and a record deal in Nashville, which never happens there. That's a very rare thing that somebody would move and in the same year have a record deal already. So he was kind of like fast rolling at the start, but his career got slower as it went on. So that would be very frustrating. Once he signed with RCA Nashville, they were like, hey, there's already a Josh. Josh Turner's out. He's doing his thing. What if we changed your name? So he decided to change his name to Jake Owen. And I can't imagine him being called Josh Owen. That just would sound weird, like he's 100% a Jake Owen. And the rest is history. So in July of 2006, his debut album, Starting With Me, came out. And it had three top 20 singles on it. One of which, the title track, Starting With Me, was number six. And from this brief success, which that's not really where they would want you to be, but it's a good start. And he ended up getting opening acts on tours with Brad Paisley, Alan Jackson, Brooks and Dunn, and Sugarland, which were all pretty big names still to this day, but at the time they were the biggest of the big. In 2009, he released his sophomore album, Easy Does It, and this debuted at number two on the Billboard Top Country album charts, which is pretty good, especially since there was a three-year gap there, so like his touring was working. And the lead single on this album, Don't Think I Can't Love You, peaked at number two, which would 
you know, a number two song is pretty good, but, like, they're all aiming for number one, so that's pretty upsetting. He was having some success, but he wasn't where he wanted to be. He wasn't where the label wanted him to be, and the next two singles peaked at number 11 and number 35, which, again, not where they wanted him to be. So, two years later, in 2011, he released his third studio album, Barefoot Blue Jean Night, and as we all know, this song became his first number one, and this is his biggest song to date. He's never going to get away from playing this song ever. And actually, like at the end of 2019, there was like a ranking that came out and this was labeled the song of the decade. So like from the 2010s era, this was the song of the decade, which is pretty incredible. At this point, he'd had a record deal for almost six years and this was his first number one. And he says that like this song really truly changed his life because before he was out there hustling and bustling and he was chasing it, but nothing was really coming of it. And this song kind of showed him like what he could do with his career and like what he wanted to be moving forward and the next three singles off of this album Alone With You, The One That Got Away and Anywhere With You all went number one so from this album alone he had four number one songs which is more than he'd had in his entire career to date. He got married in 2012 and him and his wife Lacey had a baby in November of that year. Her name is Pearl and in July of 2013 he was in a go-kart accident. He was racing some NASCAR drivers and he ended up flipping and he shattered his fingers and he had to have surgery and a screw put in and he had 40 stitches in his hand. About a month later, he noticed that his right ring finger was infected and so he went to the hospital and they were like, yeah, we need to amputate this like immediately and he was like, I have a thing I have to play out later. Can we like put this off? And they were like, no, we really need to do it now. So he was like, fine, go ahead and do it. So they amputated like everything below like the first knuckle on his finger and he ended up going to that party that night. I'm pretty sure it was the number one party and he ended up going and he played. And he said that everyone was like, oh, are you so upset that like you can't play guitar right now? You're gonna have to relearn how to play the guitar with your hand to hold the chords. And he was like, I'm just pretty upset that I can't hold my baby right now. I don't care about the guitar part. I'll figure that out later. In December of that same year, 2013, his album Days of Gold came out and it had another number one song on it with Beechin. He continued to tour throughout this whole time, but he's still an opening act. And in May of 2015, he released the song Real Life. And this was basically a failure. It did not do well on country radio. And in August of that year, him and his wife decided that they were going to get divorced because because their communication kind of fell off, probably because of his constant touring, and he was just gone, and that's hard to make it work like that, and they had a young child, and she ended up moving back to Florida, so she took Pearl with her, and he says that this was really hard, because he was, like, getting that energy off the crowds, and he loved to entertain people, but then he would come home to an empty house, and that was, like, very hard to adjust to. And he's talked about the struggle of balancing his professional and personal life because he obviously, in the industry that he's in, he has to write songs and he needs to pull from a personal place in order to write these songs. They all aim for these high professional goals, but also like it kind of takes away from their personal life sometimes because of how much they're gone. And in March of 2016, he released American Country Love Song as the first single off of his upcoming album, American Love, and this became his sixth number one song. And the album came out in July of that year, and this was basically the only single that had any success. There were like two more singles, but they peaked very low. 
this is personally my favorite album of his because it just reminds me of a very specific time in my life where I was kind of coming out of a rough period and I was going into something better but I did not know that that was coming and then I would obviously go through some tougher times that same year but it just is a very specific time in my life that every time I hear this album it kind of takes me back to right where I was when I was 17. In November of 2017 he ended up leaving RCA Nashville the record label that he'd been with for more than 10 years and he moved to the independent label Big Loud Records which happens to be where Morgan Wallen is and he also started his podcast Good Company around this time. He did that from like 2017 to 2018 and he would talk to his friends, family, people in the industry and he would just talk about how they live their life positively and like what that looks like for them personally. In 2018 he released I Was Jack You Were Diane which sampled John Cougar Mellencamp's hit Jack and Diane and I've grown up listening to John Cougar Mellencamp because he's my mom's favorite. Obviously, he played an important role in the music industry and he influenced a lot of people in a lot of genres. And Jake says that he would not have released this song if John would not have approved and said that he liked it because he respects his individual artistry and his songwriting and he would not have wanted somebody to do that to him if it was vice versa. And I think that really shows a lot about his character that he would sacrifice this song that he obviously thought was good if the other artist did not approve of it. Because this became his seventh number one song. They later released Down to the Honky Tonk, which peaked at number seven. But this song was a jam as well. It was just a good, like, feel-good song. They recorded the music video on Broadway. They shut it down. His sixth studio album came out in April of 2019 and it was called Greetings with Jake and he also had a baby in 2019 with his girlfriend Erica. Her name is Paris so he has Pearl and Paris. Homemade was his third single off of this album and it is his latest number one song. It became a number one song during quarantine and the music video for this song brought him his first CMA Awards nomination in 2020. He did not win it. Miranda Lambert did but he says that this video was very important to him because it recreated his grandparents love story and they've been together. They've been married for 75 plus years and they're like 98, 97 and they're still alive and he said that this was just kind of incredible for them to be able to see that their story is what nominated him for his very first CMA and like he's had like a near 15 year career at this point and for him to get his first CMA nomination that far into his career is kind of absurd to me but it's also incredible that it was with that song and that video. Ultimately he says that 2020 although it's been kind of a rough year for everyone it's been like a good year at the same time for him because he's been able to be home and this is the longest amount of time he's ever been in one place because of the touring that he does. He says that it's been kind of a bittersweet time because he's gotten to be home with his baby whereas he did not get to do that with his first child and he says that it just really shows him that he needs to appreciate the time that he has and kind of like soak in that time because he knows how rough it was to miss it the first go around. He actually got engaged on Monday night, which would have been the 30th of November, to his longtime girlfriend Erica, so congratulations to them. Now we're going to go into songs that I either relate to, have stories about, or I just love, and normally I would do five, but I'm going to do seven since I'm doing this solo. So I pick songs that you might not necessarily know, but they're really good and I highly suggest that you go listen to them. I have picked them in chronological order based on which album they were on. So skipping his first album, we're going to his second album here. 
The first song that I picked is Green Bananas. And this song is really just about a story of him talking about this man who is having some health issues. And the doctors are saying that it's not looking good and he should maybe kind of, you know, soak up his time on earth. He's talking about his friend's perspective on life and how he's going to live the rest of what he has. And the lyrics say, It's a hell of a note when you never know what tomorrow might bring. So I don't buy green bananas. I don't play the lottery. Right now is all I've got going and that's just fine for me. And I don't own an umbrella. If it rains, I'm gonna get wet. So I don't buy green bananas because I don't plan that far ahead. This song is just a reminder that we should all take advantage of the days that we have because, you know, it could all end tomorrow. We don't know when our time is up here It's also just a reminder that we should not get caught up in the planning of life. Like for me, I'm a planner. I like to know when things are going to happen. To me, I like to know what we're doing, but I'm also like a spontaneous, don't like to make plans. I'm really just a contradiction of a person. But, you know, we all kind of look forward to things, you know, like, oh, I can't wait for that or I can't wait to do this or like life will be better when I get this. And this song is just kind of like, don't get so caught up that you miss out on your actual life. Because life is lived in the day-to-day, regular, boring things that we all kind of have to do. And we should really appreciate that because you never know when it's going to be up. So my second song is The One That Got Away. And this song, I picked it really for no reason (laughs) of the song. It's more so a story. And this song reminds me of like 7th grade and middle school. There's a line that says, We wrote our names in the sand under the star-soaked sky, but it washed away like she did with the rising tide. And I'm pretty sure me and my mom had a fish joke or something. We like joked that she was a fish because she washed away in the sand. It was definitely like a middle school joke sort of thing. But I went on a trip in middle school and my best friend came with us and we went to Myrtle Beach. And I'm pretty sure we heard this song like a bunch of times when we were there because obviously this was the number one song so they would have played it a lot. I just remember this one night in particular we went to this restaurant and it was like a seafood place by the water but like you would eat outside by like picnic tables and then afterwards we went to this amusement park that I always went to when I was a kid but I hadn't been there in quite a long time and I just remember like the giddy feeling that I had and every time I hear this song it just kind of reminds me of that night and just takes you back and I think that's really incredible that the power of music can do that that a song that you haven't necessarily heard in a long time or you don't even really remember this memory but like every single time that you hear that song it takes you right back to where you were in that moment. So my third song is We All Want and one of the lyrics says we all want what we ain't got. Our favorite doors are always locked. On a higher hill with a higher top, we all want what we ain't got. We ain't happy where we are. There's greener grass in the neighbor's yard. A bigger house and a faster car, we ain't happy where we are. And this song is really just about the comparison that we all do with each other's lives. And in today's world, social media kind of excels this because we're all comparing our worst to someone else's best like social media is really just a highlight reel nobody posts the times where they're in sweatpants and you're chilling and you're not really doing anything or you're crying nobody does that you only post the times when you're in your best outfit with your best look you're having a good time you're at somewhere cool like nobody posts something when you're like doing nothing So this song is just kind of like the grass is greener where you water it. Like everybody's kind of going through the same things and we're all comparing each other. And really comparison is the thief of joy. Again, like you're comparing your worst to their best and that's not an accurate representation of either of you. So 
it's just a reminder that appreciate what you personally have because there's somebody else out there who is dying to have what you have and vice versa. So my fourth song is Tipsy and We All Want and Tipsy are actually on the same album and they're back to back but they're very different feeling songs. Tipsy is very like lighthearted. It's a fun song. One of the lines says, you got me on a sugar high and I don't know if it's you or the whiskey that's got me feeling all tipsy tipsy. I can feel myself about to fall every time you kiss me, kiss me. And this song is really just about the feeling of falling for someone and just that like fun, everything is easy, you're having a good time, it's just carefree. And I kind of like the relation here of like comparing being tipsy to falling for someone because it's really just that feeling of like the excitement and the buzz of it all. That's just a great feeling of falling for someone in the new stages. That's just a good time. Like, everybody's been there. We all know what it feels like. So, my next song is Real Life. And as I said earlier, this song did not do well on the radio. But it's just a real life song. That's why it's called Real Life, obviously. The first line says, Well, I grew up in a real town where the prom queen had a plastic crown. And we really did just drive around because there wasn't shit to do. And... In my town, we didn't do prom queens. That wasn't a thing, but if we did, it would definitely have been a plastic crown. I grew up in a very specific area where we had access to go to like three different towns. They were all like a 30-minute drive, but there was nothing to do in our actual town. So like we drove around all the time. Like that was an activity. If you're from a small place, you know that that is literally an activity. You will just get in a car, drive around, jam to some songs, maybe have the windows down. So he goes on and he says, hit the Waffle House for some real food, but the waitress, she's real rude. She's got real problems, but we do too. So we tip her anyway. And I'm from a small town in the South and there's Waffle Houses everywhere. That was our place after Friday night football games. Like if you're feeling the all-star, you know, like a waffle, eggs, bacon, the whole nine yards, you would go to Waffle House. But we've all had that waitress, like maybe at night, the night shift is normally not as good. And she's ready to get out of there. But, you know, she's got her own problems. I've got my own problems. We kind of relate on that. And I just love this song because it's really just about that small town life feeling. And it's kind of like a fun anthem acceptance song that you would like hear on a jukebox. It's got that like kind of feel to it and just the vibes of it. So my sixth song is Everybody Dies Young. This is on the album that I said was my favorite of his. And this is a similar theme to Green Bananas where it's just about like appreciating life. So my favorite lyrics in this say, we're all going through the motions just following the script. If we don't stop and smell the ocean boys, we might just miss our ship. It ain't about the amount of years, it's about the amount of love. It don't matter if you're 18, 45, or 91. No matter what we do, we're never done. Everybody dies young. And this song is truly... I think that everybody ever should listen to this song. It's just a good reminder that life is short and you should really live it because, again, you never know when your last day is going to be. And the line where it says, no matter what we do, we're never done, that's so true because, you know, like you could do so many things and you could still always want to do more or you could always want to take back something that you did or have done something differently, but like that's not how life works. And I think it's just a good reminder that you're never too old or too young to do anything that you set your mind to. Like, society kind of puts these standards on us and these, like, perceptions that if you're too old, you can't do this. Or if you're too young, you can't do this. And I really think that we need to get over those mental boundaries and really just push ourselves to do whatever our heart desires. And just live your life, have a good time, enjoy it. You know, you only get one. 
my last song is made for you and he says that this is his favorite song that he's ever recorded and I think that's interesting because he did not write this song and he's written a lot of his songs so for him to say that this is his favorite and this is just the slow ballad a good love song and for me I personally picked this because I'm a big bachelor bachelorette fan and if you watched Hannah Brown season of the bachelorette you know Tyler Cameron and I love Tyler Cameron and I really fully think that she should have picked him but whatever but anyways they were on their very first date I'm pretty sure they were in Rhode Island and Jake Owen came for this date and it was like after the night portion and she took him to this place and Jake Owen sat on the stage and he sang this song for them and they just dance to it it's just a cute like every time I hear the song it makes me think of that but also this is just a very cute song like this would be very cute at a wedding it's just like a lovey feel-good song and my favorite line in this says like a ship without a sea or a song without a melody I don't know where I'd be or what I'd do because I was made for you and this song is really just about those people in your life who you don't know who or what you would be without them. And this can be with a significant other, a best friend, a family member, a mentor, like whatever. Like you would not be where you are without any relationship that you've ever had in your life because every person that comes into your life serves a purpose. And I really think that's important to look at it that way because... I've had a relationship where it wasn't that great, but at the same time, like, I am who I am because of that, and I wouldn't necessarily take that back. That's just a good reminder to, like, appreciate the people in your life and make sure that they know how you feel if you love someone, tell them in any type of relationship. So, normally, I would go into questions here, but I'm by myself, so I'm not going to do that, but I will answer if his voice was a color, what would it be? So, when I very first think of Jake Owen, the color that comes to my mind immediately is that minty green blue. I'm pretty sure the technical term for this is seafoam green because again my favorite album of his has this color the actual CD is this color the outside of the album cover is this there's like a VW van and it's that color also but his actual voice is definitely like a deep woody top sound and for that reason I'm gonna say like an oak brown because it's like deep but also light with like the beachy feels and I really just think that his voice is very versatile. Like, he can kind of do the slow ballads. He can do the fun, up-tempo songs. Like, he has all of it. And he also brings in that traditional country sound because of his influences. But he also brings in modern sounds and instrumentation to his songs. If anyone listening to this has a takeaway from either my stories or Jake's story, I would ultimately just say that when one door closes, another one opens. Like, it's always going to work out how it's supposed to, so don't worry about it so much. Just because it's your plan does not mean that that's the plan that it's going to be because he thought he was going to be a golfer and it didn't work out that way and now he's a musician. But, you know, like, you can be successful at whatever you put your mind to and he was determined to make it and he did. But... He had some bumps along the road and he had to work harder and keep pushing and he didn't necessarily get the recognition that maybe he deserved or what he wanted but at the end of the day like as long as you're personally fulfilled and happy with what you're doing that's really all that matters. Going back to the thing that I've kind of said the whole time is really just appreciate your life like enjoy yourself have a good time love others lift others up that's really what we're here to do anyways. So I would really appreciate it if you would follow me on Instagram. It is hashtag spelled out with two G's underscore relatable. I post graphics over there, all of the links so that the episodes are easily accessible. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoy.
enjoy and tune back in next week for another episode of hashtag relatable bye